0: That's really what I would say to anyone who has a business. It's not about finding money. It's about finding the right money and the right person or people or groups to partner with that can help you scale your company faster.
1: Welcome to Tractionville, the podcast for companies running on EOS. I'm your host, Chris White, along with my co-host, Benj Miller. And today, we are excited to bring everybody Justin Donald. Justin Donald is an entrepreneur, he's an investor, and an author. Justin, welcome to Tractionville.
0: Hey, thanks, Chris. Appreciate being here. I'm excited
1: to hang with you and Benj. All right. Well, Justin, let's jump in. This, just full disclosure, everybody that's listening, um, Justin doesn't know a thing about EOS, and you know what? That's okay, because... He is a dynamic guy, great personality, and we just want you to get to know him. So with that, Justin, just kind of give us a little bit of your background of, of where you started and, and uh, how you got to where you are today.
0: Sure, yeah. Uh, so really for me, I, I got started at a young age. Um, my parents said, hey, you need to get a job. This is in seventh grade. And uh, and so I decided, okay, well, if uh, if I can't get any more money than allowance, I'll, I'll go out and I'll get a job. So I started selling newspaper subscriptions door to door. Uh, I was horrible at it for a pretty good stretch. And then I eventually figured that out, got good at it. And then at some point in high school, I figured that it'd be really cool instead of me selling to train uh, and recruit people to do sales for me. So I created this mini company where I had a crew of people that would go out and sell subscriptions under me. Uh, and coupon books and and uh, that was a ton of fun. I did that all the way through the end of of high school. Uh made some really good cash. And then uh, ended up working with the Cutco organization to help pay my way through college. Uh, I went to University of illinois and and uh, I worked really hard with Cutco. and I always liked there that you were paid uh, based on the you know effort and skill that you have as opposed to just an hourly pay. So I was Great. making, you know, over $15,000 a year um, as a college student, mainly just in the summers, uh, to cover my tuition, my room and board and everything, which was right. really nice. Uh, graduated debt-free uh, and then uh, started a uh, an, o- an office, basically, with the Cutco organization and eventually grew into a huge territory and did some training on their behalf and um then started consulting companies in an advisory role. Started a company, bought and sold some companies, uh, and so those are things that I do today. But I spend a lot of my time, additionally, uh, in the investment realm. So I love investing in companies, investing in people, uh, investing in unique ideas, and so that's really you know kind of the the short story of you know where I started and where I am now.
2: When you were introduced to us. Um, I I can't remember who to attribute the quote, but it was, you got to talk to Justin Donald. He's been called the next generation of Warren Buffett, which is a giant, giant name tag to put next to yours. So as you've gone from selling Cutco to buying and selling companies, um, I want to talk about this because part of what you do is help people, Activate their cash so that they can kind of live their dream. I might be butchering that; you can clean me up in a second. But um, if you're talking to an audience of entrepreneurs, leaders, managers, um, you know, entrepreneurs that are running businesses, they don't have the time to, you know, full time become an investor. It's it's really dangerous to just throw some money at at some you know, whether it's angel investing or, or or investing in small cap companies. So how I know you're in the process of, of teaching people how to do this. Give us some pointers. I know we can't do the get all of Justin in, in 30 minutes, but give us some pointers about the way we should be thinking about this and what we should be looking for.
0: Yeah, Benj, you uh, bring up a, a bunch of good things. I, I mean, I could speak on this topic for days, truly, because um, I just love it. And so, you know, being an entrepreneur, understanding that world, understanding that you can become so consumed by your business, I think it is really important to create the time and the space to um, be able to focus on somewhere else, some other asset that you can put your investment dollars into to kind of hedge your position. If you're putting all of your profits back into your business, that's great only if your business crushes it. And it's horrible if your business doesn't. And, you know, over the long haul, we know that most businesses don't. So I think it's really important, number one, to be able to allocate some of the, you know, disposable income or profits from your business into other assets that ideally produce cash flow to lessen the burden of what your business needs to do. Um, secondly, I I think it's really important, you know, I hear all the time, oh, I'm too busy for this or too busy for that. Uh, I think it's really important to buy your time back so that you aren't too busy for the things that are likely most important, which, you know, I would say relationships, uh, you know, being front and center on that, but, you know, having a good plan for, uh, wealth and financial and, and all the aspects that go under the umbrella of wealth. Uh, you know, I find that a lot of entrepreneurs, started in entrepreneurship, they started their company with a desire or a dream for autonomy and to no longer work for someone else. But I find the most common real reality is that uh, they end up becoming a slave to the business that they've made. And so they might actually end up working more hours because there's no one else that can pick up the slack or they haven't created the systems for that to take place and then it it steals their time. It leeches it away, whether they recognize it or not, from investing, spending time with uh, you know relationships and people that matter most, and even hobbies, passions, purpose. And so, I think that it's really important. Uh, you know, I. I I coach entrepreneurs all the time. You know, partially I coach them from the standpoint of an advisory role in, you know, business, right. And part of it is I'm coaching them how to think about investing and structure investments. So that way they can buy their time back and be on their own schedule. So I think of investing as one of a couple of tools of leverage and magnification. If you have investments that cover your your bare minimum expenses or your lifestyle expenses, then what happens in the business becomes a lot more uh, free. And it, it th- th- there's, there's more you can do, more choices, more availability. You can use leverage through people as well, through software. But most people aren't really looking at how they can leverage their income outside of their main income producer.
2: So the first... Thought that came to my mind, playing devil's devil's advocate. Um, why not just do the easy thing and give my money to a money manager, and they put it in the markets, and they're the professional. We'll let them do it.
0: You could, but all your money exposed in the market may subject you to a lot of risk. You know, especially during these times now. You know, if you talk about COVID and. And the impact that it's had, you had the stock market tank, then the stock market spike, and you had a bunch of the up and down. But what most people don't realize is that if the market went down 30%, up 30%, down 15%, up 15%, if you're at a zero as an average rate of return, you actually lost money. So that is one thing. Number two is most financial advisors aren't fiduciaries, so they can make decisions that are best for them and their commissions and not what's best for their clients. So that is one thing to be very cautious of. Number three, I just don't like the arrangement of someone making money off of my money when I lose money. So in that scenario, I can lose money, but the financial advisors or money managers still make money. They're rewarded for poor performance. And quite frankly, if someone just wants to take it easy, you can invest in index funds. That's your cheapest way of doing it. And in addition to that, uh, according to the recent numbers from uh, uh, the S&P 500 index and uh, compared to active, uh, you've got 95% of financial planners and money managers that do not outperform, so they underperform, they do worse than investing in just the S&P 500 index. So 5% of the money managers out there actually outperform it, yet you're paying incredible fees to have them do it and likely
1: not make you much. Attention visionaries and integrators. Are you doing everything you can to push your leadership team to its greatest potential? If you've read the book Rocket Fuel, written by Gino Wickman and Mark C. Winters, and you're already operating with Rocket Fuel, or maybe you're just looking to get started, then we have the place for you. Introducing Rocket Fuel University a robust community of visionaries and integrators and those who want to help them succeed. You'll have the ability to connect with other visionaries and integrators who are facing the same challenges you are. Tapping into the experience of others will help you get there faster and with less pain. You'll be able to implement the Rocket Fuel structure more effectively. Rocket Fuel University members get exclusive access to live Q&A meetings presented by the Rocket Fuel leadership team. Get unstuck when you're up against something that you're not quite sure how to handle. To get started, visit rocketfueluniversity.com. And if you're really serious about making your VI Duo truly great, register today for Rocket Fuel University. That's rocketfueluniversity.com.
2: So for you, why did you move toward investing in small businesses? in well, businesses, I, period, directly?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, for me, I just wanted more control of my, my assets, more control of my capital. Um, I wanted there to be impact. So one of the things that I'm most proud of in investing in companies is that I partner with operators. And these are individuals that generally have a job, and I help them get out of the rat race by giving them an opportunity to run one of you know many businesses that I've purchased over the years. Uh, and so there's a great partnership there, which is awesome. I'm helping people transition from employee to business owner or entrepreneur, uh, and, and that's powerful. When it's businesses that I understand or when I know that I'm buying them at a good value, uh, I feel like my money is going to work for me further. Uh, I also am going to get tax write-offs that are going to help You know, basically show more profit in the long haul than if I just invest in the markets. Um, And then there are unique ways to structure deals, too, based on uh, cash flowing companies. And so I love doing arrangements where I can invest in a rev share, or, you know, get some equity in a company that's kicking off cash. So there are lots of different ways to structure it. Um, And, you know, and, and I also think it's fun to, you know, if you have a good idea, start a business or bring a team in that can run a business. And then you're creating jobs, you're creating opportunities, you're creating a lot of abundance for all the people that that business touches.
2: So Justin, great idea. I have no idea where to start. Where do I look? Where do I find the business? Where do I find the operator? I'm I'm heads down in this one. Well,
0: there are a lot of people that their business is buying and selling companies. Uh, And some of these businesses, you can do it for $0 down. Um, there are some, you know, definitely some, you know, promoters out there that you don't want to work with that kind of have that framework and can kind of give it a bad name. But there are great entrepreneurs out there that that is their business model. You also have um, groups and, and web, you know, I guess brokerages like Empire Flippers and a bunch of other places that that have companies that are for sale that you can buy them based on a multiple of um, you know, EBITDA or revenue, you know, whatever that business is, whatever the the metric that would be used. Um, so, you know, that's an opportunity. There are brokers that list companies, you know, the last company that I used, we thought about going through a broker. We ended up, uh, not going through a broker because we ended up through word of mouth advertising, hearing about it. So, uh, and, and by the way, they were just about to bring on a broker. So we signed a deal before they had officially signed on with the broker and ended up, you know, cutting that expense
1: out. Yeah. Justin, you've got, um, You've got a book coming out called "The Lifestyle Investor," and and can you? I, I imagine there's a lot of what we're talking about in there, but can you talk to us about uh, uh, what you're going to be uh, putting out there?
0: Yeah. So the book, uh, the the Lifestyle Investor, the the subtitle is "The Ten Commandments of Cash Flow Investing for Passive Income and Financial Freedom." And so basically, it's my ten criteria for what I look for in an investment. And each of the criteria are really important, and so there are different investments that are going to be a good fit based on you know which of those criteria are most important, and even you know having investments that encompass all ten, which is the ideal goal. So operating companies is one of the investments I love. Real estate, uh, debt investments, uh, there, there's all kinds of stuff that that fall into it, but you know, if you look at some of the, the criteria, you know, my first commandment is lifestyle first. So I like to invest in a way that's not going to consume my time. Um, my goal is to invest in a completely passive way. And if that means I need operators to run a business, because I'm investing in a business, that's great. If I'm investing in real estate, then there are operators that run that I can either hire it out if I directly own it, or I could invest with a group, a syndication, a fund, where they have professional operators that run it. And additionally, there's a lot of debt structures that are pretty attractive. These can even be debt structures on operating companies, or they can just be you know, a, a senior credit fund or anything under the sun. It could be a hard money loan. There's a lot of different structures. But what's nice about these is most of them will give a much greater return than stock market investing with a lot of opportunity to depreciate in some of these categories to lower your taxable income. Uh, And then in addition, You have the opportunity to really mitigate a lot of the risk, which is my second commandment is reduce the risk. You know, Warren Buffett talks about how the number one rule is don't lose money. And so this is important. And so you can take an investment. And if you just structure the terms of the deal correctly, you can mitigate virtually all, if not all the risk. So you can get a good return with no risk or very little risk which is the way I like to invest. I'm in control then of my capital. And there are other commandments that are super important and and I have something called my commandment stack or strategy stack where you can, you know, kind of stack a bunch of these on top of each other and really amplify the results.
1: Would you classify the book as a as a sort of a how-to?
0: Yeah, the the book definitely gives some good how-to because it walks through a bunch of different types of investments. It walks through real examples. So in every commandment, I use one or two actual investments that I did and outline what it looked like and why I decided to do it. I go through my core principles of each one. So I talk about the mindset I had going into that investment, the structure that I was able to... create, whether it was offered or or we kind of went back and forth on terms, but something that worked for me, the filter. So how did this pass my test? And then the negotiation of it, where did it start to where did it finish? And so I use that, you know, kind of structure or format to analyze each of the deals and why I ended up investing in them. That's so good.
2: I can't wait for it. I'm signed up. Uh, Justin, one of your themes in life is buying freedom. You talked about buying your time back as an entrepreneur. Um, tell us how you're doing that with the book in more than one way, because I, I just think it's so cool.
0: Yeah, thanks, Bench. Um, so really, you know, the, the big thing to me is I, I really believe that when people have their time, they buy it back, they, they create freedom of time in their life. That what ends up happening is it it steers them into a direction where they can fully utilize their gifts, their talents, their passions, uh, and and really spend time with the the people that matter most in their world. And so when we think about our freedom, Uh, We're talking about financial freedom. We're not talking about basic freedoms. However, there are people in this world that literally have no freedom. It's been stripped away. They're slaves in some way, shape, or form. You know, they're they're slaves because, um, you know, they're being, you know, forced into captivity. You have slaves due to ignorance. Uh, And so the proceeds of the lifestyle investor are all going to go to charities that support Um, people buying their basic freedom back to eliminate sex trafficking and and human trafficking and uh, to really just help people buy and create a better quality of life.
2: That's so cool. Tractionville, Justin was very generous and offered us a a coupon code for our listeners, those that are interested in the book. And we told them, no, we're not gonna give it out because we're all gonna pay pay full price so we can contribute to this cause and, and buying back some freedom. Uh, so thank you, Justin. Very generous. And I can't wait to support and Tractionville get behind this book that you're putting out. Um, we're public. this we're going live should be live right now. We're going to post this so that the book's live. You can go get it. It's in the show notes um, and I assume on Amazon. Uh, Justin, would you you said there's a bunch of examples for each chapter. Will you give us an example and talk through one deal? Just maybe your favorite deal or the deal you're
0: in right now that you're most excited about? Wow, that's that's a tough one because there I have so many that are favorites, but um, you know th- this is kind of a fun one. Uh, and so in this deal, this is kind of you know th- this actually is Commandment Three, which is finding invisible deals. So I had the opportunity to invest in a very well-known retail brand. And this retail brand um, really wasn't doing well because they had too much of a brick and mortar presence, and so uh, a lot of a lot of your brick and mortar retail is just getting clobbered. And even though there was an online presence, it just wasn't it wasn't strong enough, and there was just too much of a of a drag with the leases and employees. In this case, there were uh, thirty thousand employees. Uh, and so, what ended up happening is we bought this brand uh, out of a pre-bankruptcy. So it never actually hit bankruptcy. There was an auction to buy it, and our group did a great job. Uh, and, and so, you know, my my investment club. So I have a mastermind investment club, uh, and we came in and we were the primary uh, investors in purchasing this uh, with a couple of other uh, high-profile entrepreneurs. And the goal is to scale this business and scale it solely online. So we were able to buy it, get rid of all of the liabilities that it had just buy the customer database, the IP, the brand itself, you know, you've got a 60 year old brand. And that is powerful. Because like with a startup, you have to create a brand. Well, if you can buy a brand that has name recognition, I mean, more than half the battle is done. Uh, So as long as you can figure out how to scale it properly, great things can happen. So what ended up happening is uh, we were able to negotiate for a 20% uh, interest note on our money with free equity kickers uh, and then a one-year balloon. So we get all of our money back inside of one year. We'd be able to keep the equity. There'd be an option if we wanted to, uh, to extend that note or to roll it into equity, but not a mandate. So that was totally up to us, uh, which is really cool. And then the uh, the note itself was backed by the IP of the company. So there was collateral that was worth more than the investment. And in fact, there were groups that uh, made offers on this brand for cheaper than what we were uh, offering. They just liked our team. They liked what we had offered. They liked that we had a shorter timeline for kind of cutting the rest of the company loose. And so it just became a really unique opportunity. And so, you know, it's been a year. We all got our money out of the deal, had an opportunity if we wanted to extend to extend. We have equity. So one of my favorite deals, you know, this would be, you know, one of the ones that I cover in uh, income amplifiers, which is my uh, sixth commandment. And one of the deal structures I like are debt structures, but with an equity kicker. So that means when you get all your money out of the deal, you still have equity upside. And that's pretty cool. And as a debt uh, investor, you are at the top of the repayment schedule. So let's say something goes wrong. Well, if something goes wrong, then the problem is, you know, other people. It depends if you're in an, you know, an equity investor. You're likely to not get paid back. As a debt investor, you are likely to get paid back because you get paid back first. So I felt like there are a lot of places that really de-risked the deal. The value of the company was more than we bought it for. Uh, it was backed by the IP. It was a one-year note. They probably weren't going to fail inside of one year. And there are a few other perks as well to this investment but at this point my group has all their money out and all of us have equity for the life of the company and they're taking off and inside of one year their run rate is greater than what the what this retail brand ever did on their own in you know 60 years of being a business probably the last 20 years being online and in one year we were able to do more online than they did ever Hmm. in a year so
2: justin let me take I'm not exactly sure how to do this, but take, let's flip this. So if I'm a business and I'm sitting down talking to Justin, when would be the right time for me to go and say, hey, Justin, why don't don't you come in and
0: invest in my business? Well, the right time is prior to needing the funds probably. I mean, in all transparency, uh, that that really, you know, I talk about this, the difference between, you know, offensive and defensive, um, you know, I guess, companies that are looking to raise money because they have to are looking to raise money because they're trying to get ahead of the curve. So obviously, that would be the better scenario, um, because it puts you in a stronger position. But I I really think anytime I, I I outline this in my book that it's easy to find money. If you have a good idea, if you have a good business, if you can show um, that you have a profitable uh, or or proof of concept at least is there, the, the odds are good that it's profitable, or you can show that it is profitable. It's not hard to find money. What's hard to find is money plus right? So uh, having an investor that you can get money from that has a network that you can tap into, right? So that's really what I would say to anyone who has a business. It's not about finding money. It's about finding the right money and the right person or people or groups to partner with that can help you scale your company faster. So I mean, all the time, I get the feedback that after I've invested in a company, that uh, the, the, the greatest value add had nothing to do with the money, it had everything to do with the network and the advisory. And so when you find the right investor that invests, they recognize, like for me, I recognize I'm going to invest in things where I know that I have knowledge, because if I can help influence the direction of that company, I'm de-risking my investment. And so I'm getting involved, whether you know they need it or not, because I have some skin in the game. And so that is a great situation for an entrepreneur. What did you get your
1: degree in at U of I?
0: so my degree is in finance. Okay. So I had I had a little bit of a, a background there. I, okay. I I took a class and uh, I, I applied for a special program where 20 students in, at the University of Illinois, 45,000 uh, student school, uh, 20 people got selected to invest a million dollars of money from one of the uh, alumni. And, uh, and so I'm proud to say that we were able to turn a profit. So I, I've had some experience for a long time, but what I learned there has, I mean, it's, it's just so far from what the world of finances today, you know, mm. I've, I've learned more in the last, you know, year, year and a half, two years than I ever learned, you know, in a university.
1: Mm. Because, you know, not everyone, well, one, not everyone has the financial background or education, right? Acumen for this. Um, it can be intimidating if you're not a numbers person, right? Just from soup to nut, the, the deal structure, uh, you know, the all the ancillary things that get put in there, right? It's pretty intimidating. It can be intimidating. My sure. guess is you're probably demystifying that in your book, right? And just kind of bringing it down to the ground where it's, it's easily digestible that anybody anybody can really do this, right?
0: That's my goal. And that's what I've heard from, you know, people that are in, in my, you know, so I, I have a, a private client, you know, uh, investor pro or a, a coaching program, and I've got a mastermind and the, the feedback that I constantly get, is that I take um, what most people would consider challenging concepts, and I break them down into very simple to understand um, processes and uh, just my goal is, and I, I, I attempt to do this in the book, my goal is to take what generally people think is a tough or um, you know just just meaty topic and make it as simple as possible. Yeah All
2: right, Chris, you got a random question. Here's my random question. Justin, the cover of your book that's coming out, "The Lifestyle Investor." there's an image of a lion. Why the lion?
0: Well, the lion really signifies uh, strength to me and kind of being the leader of the jungle and, and leader of the pack. But there's also some significance in that uh, my daughter and I have read the Chronicles of Narnia and she loves uh, Aslan. And so this doubles as my opportunity to lead uh, You know, with Aslan. She loved this for a logo. And I had her and other friends and family involved in picking it. But to me, the lion is strong and it's courageous and uh, it's, you know, it, it's uh, steadfast and just moves forward. You know, it, it, it attacks and it defends its pride. And so I look at all those qualities and I say, that's really what I want for the people that are part of my organization. And, um, and I love that it can also be thought of as like a gentle and loving creature like Aslan. Mm, that's so cool. All
2: right, everybody, the book's out now, The Lifestyle Investor. You can find Justin at justindonald.com. All those will be uh, links will be in the show notes. Justin, uh, you know, Tractionville, we've got these leaders, entrepreneurs out there listening, soaking up everything you're saying. Give us final piece of wisdom, advice, encouragement, what would you want Tractionville to hear from you today?
0: Well, I'm going to lead in on this one with my 10th and final commandment. Uh, And and so this one's really important because if you're thinking about like, where is it most important to spend your time, you know, of anywhere that you can spend your time, this one's every dollar of investment gets a return, but it's all about Where you're spending time. So, who are your advisors? Who is your peer group? Who are your mentors? Who are you surrounding yourself with that are going to help you play the game of life and business at a higher level? And I, I believe that this, you know, it starts first with your peer group. But it needs to go beyond your peer group to people that you hire or that are willing to take you under their wing, whether you hire them or not. I think people are more inclined to to work with you if you hire them. Uh, and, And also, when you have skin in the game, you're more committed. So having someone that, not someone that's a great coach, someone that has done what you want to do that's coaching you, all right? Not someone that has the title coach, Yeah. all right? And, and then, you know, your, your legal team, your advisory team, your, your tax professionals, like all of these people are so important because they can save you years of time and expertise that uh, you can outsource completely when you find the right team to help you. So all three of those layers, I think, are imperative for entrepreneurs. And it's the first thing I would take seriously.
2: That's a good challenge to to end on. Thank you, Justin. Appreciate your time, your energy, your knowledge. Tractionville, if you enjoyed this episode, rate it. Share it with someone that you think could really benefit from Justin's story and his expertise. And we will see you back next week for Tractionville Tuesday.